Good morning, and happy Easter. He is risen, alleluia. Today we celebrate that Jesus got up from the grave. He was dead, but now he's alive forevermore, and he holds the keys of hell and death. It grieves me that we aren't together this morning. My first chance to celebrate the feast of Easter with all of you folks at War Memorial. And I can't wait until we're together for worship again when you don't just hear my voice, but my voice is joined with all of yours as we praise God our Father. In the meantime, I pray that this message encourages you and communicates at least a tiny sliver of what it means for us that Jesus walked out of the tomb. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or just want to provide some encouragement in this season, please reach out. And please continue to reach out to one another and care for one another as you have been doing so well. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you who have offered yourself on the cross for us and for our sins and for our life, we give you thanks. And you who have been raised from the dead, showing us your power and your glory and filling us with hope, we give you thanks. And we ask now that you would speak your word clearly to us, that as the women who met you at the tomb could preach your word, so could we. We pray, Lord, that you would meet us as we worship you today. We pray, Lord, that you would fill us with expectation and anticipation at the things that you have prepared for our world. We pray this in your holy, precious, and powerful name. Amen. We'll begin this morning with a scripture reading from Matthew chapter 28. We'll read verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. 
But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left in the tomb quick they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, "Greetings." And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, "Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me." The word of God for us the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Visiting a tomb is such an ordinary and grief-filled thing. Seeing where your loved one has been laid, where their body has been put to rest, provides closure, provides a sense of finality, it provides an opportunity to spend remembering, remembering the life and the love and the laughter and the joy and maybe even the hard times that were shared. It's an opportunity to grieve. Mary and Mary have observed the Sabbath as they were supposed to do, but they haven't yet seen where Joseph of Arimathea has laid their Lord. And they want to go and to see and to grieve. So off they go to the tomb looking for that closure, that ordinary thing that so many of us do after a funeral. To go back to the grave after it's been covered up and to look and to see and to remember. And when they arrive, I'm not sure they know what to expect, but it wasn't what they got. Mary and Martha probably haven't spent much time thinking about what they should expect when they get to the tomb. Grief clouds our thoughts, and uh, they probably weren't projecting much beyond just getting there. But if they had been thinking clearly and you had asked them what they expected, they would have said that they expected to have some somber, solemn time to remember and to grieve their Lord who had died that they would take as long as they needed in their crying and potentially in, in anointing the body of Jesus. But when they get there, there's nothing solemn or silent or sober about what happens. In fact, it's terrifying. The earth quakes and this man in brilliant white clothing, he looks like lightning flashing before them appears. And even after the earth stops shaking, the guards who are there dressed in their military equipment with their weapons are still trembling with fear at the appearance of this messenger who has appeared. These terrifying, strong military guards are trembling at fear at the appearance of this man. So much so that they look like dead men. To say it like we would around here, they are scared to death. And these women who think they've come to deal with their grief, to see the tomb and care for Jesus' body, begin to reckon with the fact that their agenda is not the most important one. 
Last week, I talked about how at Palm Sunday, the crowds greet Jesus with shouts of victory and a parade. They are sure he has come to save them and to save them on their terms. Now, these women who have remained with Jesus all the way through the end, they're trying to figure out what it looks like to move on. They're going to pay their final respects, and instead they find something very different than what they expected. I recently watched The Lion King and uh, the new version where all of the animals look real. And one of the most powerfully symbolic scenes in the whole movie is when Simba and Nala go off on their own. Simba is full of pride and bravado, thinking he can go anywhere because he is going to be king and he can do whatever he wants. So they go beyond the limits of his dad Mufasa's kingdom, not knowing what danger awaits them there. And Simba doesn't have any real sense of the creatures or the dangers that are out there. And he winds up with Nala surrounded by hyenas. And he and Nala try to escape. They run this way and that and through holes and everywhere else. But they find themselves surrounded and trapped, and with no other recourse, Simba roars, and he sounds like the little child that he is. And all the hyenas laugh at him, and they ask him to do it again, because it was so hilarious that this cub thought that he could intimidate these adult hyenas, and this is what he has to offer. So Simba roars again, But this time it doesn't sound like Simba. It sounds like a fully grown lion. And everyone is confused. Simba is looking around confused. The hyenas are all confused. And then they realize what has happened. Simba's dad, Mufasa, has shown up. It wasn't Simba's roar. It was his father's. And his dad's presence and strength scatter all of the hyenas that wanted to do Simba harm. Simba couldn't have protected himself on his own. He couldn't have kept Nala safe. But as they walk away, Nala says something very curious. I thought you were very brave. Now, his dad thinks he's been dumb and his dad is right, but Nala sees something about what Simba did that we should pay attention to. Simba couldn't have protected himself or Nala, and he should have never gotten himself into that situation, but his actions while they were there in the midst of danger, small though they were, were indeed brave. They ran. They hid. He even tried to roar and intimidate the lions. All of the resources he had to use, he put to work, even if it meant he got laughed at. And all those things bought just enough time for Mufasa to show up. Simba didn't save himself or Nala, but it's not like his actions didn't matter at all. And so when these women show up, thinking that they're prepared to do a very ordinary thing at the tomb, to mourn the loss of this man whom they have loved, it's not anything grand. It's not anything large. It's just one small thing. But what they don't know, what they don't know is that the Lion of Judah has roared and he has conquered sin and death. And though they have not won the victory, 
In fact, they and the disciples have been feeling like all was lost. They too have a role to play, even if it's small. And just by showing up at the tomb, just by doing this ordinary thing, taking the next faithful step, they find themselves greeting an angel of the Lord and being told, do not be afraid. Jesus has risen from the dead. Go and tell the others. They have a role to play. The enemy of God and all of God's people is sin and death. And we, like those soldiers at the tomb who reckon with the fact that they can do nothing when the earthquakes and when God's angels show up, we have to reckon with the fact that we ourselves can do very little to defend ourselves from the ravages of sin and death. So often it seems like those things reign even now locked up in our homes, separate from one another on Easter Sunday. I would wager that this sanctuary has not been empty on Easter Sunday since before 1900. So when sin and death seem to reign, we come to the tomb and we find something very different. Who are we in the face of a virus? Who are we in the face of a tempest of wind and rain that the meteorologists say will be hitting right as you are watching or listening to this this morning? Who are we and what do we have to offer? But when the Lion of Judah roars, when Jesus emerges from the tomb, we realize that it is not up to us to win the battle. It is not up to us to win the victory. The people on Palm Sunday were right to be celebrating victory even before the crucifixion and resurrection. Before we know what it looks like to beat this virus, before we ourselves are able to calm the storm, those things are all above our pay grade. But if we learn anything on Easter morning as these women walk to the tomb in grief, we can learn it from what the angel has to say to them. First, do not be afraid. Jesus has been raised from the dead. And if Jesus has conquered sin and death through his cross and, and resurrection, what do we have to fear? We need not look like the guards who are terrified that they are not going to be able to keep Jesus in the tomb because no one and nothing could. Nothing can stop the power of life that Jesus has come to bring, not even death and the wiles of Satan and hell itself can stop the Lord of life. So do not be afraid. And then the angel gives them another strange command. He tells them to do what they came to do, to look at the tomb, but he reminds them that the tomb is not any longer an object of grief what they expected to be filled with grief and pain, now is a source of joy and hope. God has taken the tomb where they were walking to grieve and to mourn, and he's made it a source of joy and hope. Go and look for yourself. The tomb is empty. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Don't just take my word for it, though I came with clothes like lightning and an earthquake. Go and look. And once you have looked, 
once the object of your pain and grief and fear has turned into joy and hope, go quickly and tell the others. Go quickly and tell the others. That your grief has been turned into praise, that your fear has been turned into hope, this is not something that you can keep to yourself. And the task that they have as they depart from the grave is such a small one. Just go and tell the news of what you have seen and what you have heard. You yourselves, you're not going to be able to save the world. In fact, the church is going to continue to have struggle, struggles with persecution as it moves into acts and beyond. They can't stop all of the suffering or the violence or the pain or the sickness that every Christian will face over the next 2,000 years, but they can play their small role. They can point the world to the one who is changing everything. And they can point to him because he is going ahead of them. The angel says, go and tell the disciples he's going into Galilee. They will find him there. And on the way, before they get to the disciples, before they get to fulfill their mission, as they are making their way to do the things that they've been asked to do, they meet Jesus. They meet the resurrected Lord and they fall at his feet and they worship him and they praise him because what has been their worst nightmare has become their wildest dream. That Jesus has been raised from the dead. Alleluia. So we have to be careful in this time of, 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 of sequestering ourselves from others and of sometimes of great busyness when we think that there are tasks that must be done. We have to be careful not to miss the Lord. We have to be careful even as we fulfill our mission to make sure that we stop when we see the Lord and worship him and praise him and thank him Because they could have done something different. They could have been so focused on getting to the disciples in the urgency of their message with the commission of the angel that they did not know Jesus, but he called out to them and they stopped and they worshiped. And then they continue on to pass on the message. Jesus reminds them of that message while they're with him too, that they should go and tell the disciples that he will meet them in Galilee just a little further down the road, they can meet the resurrected Lord. They can go back to where it started, not where they think it ended at the tomb, but back to Galilee where Jesus called some of them for the first time, where Jesus performed his first miracles, where Jesus began teaching in the synagogues. They can go back to the start because Jesus is making all things new and they are going to have work to do as well beginning in Galilee and Jerusalem and then all of Judea and the ends of the earth, each of them is going to have a small role to play. None of them will be the one that saves the world. Jesus has done that. But they have some simple things to bear in mind. Don't be afraid. Look at the empty tomb and see that the worst thing has become the best thing. Go quickly and tell the others, he's going ahead of you, so look for him along the way. That's it. That is the message of Easter. 
as we abide in a world in desperate need of hope, as a world in a world that is paralyzed by fear and grief, in a world that seems like death and sin reign, Jesus has shown us something different. Jesus has shown us that life conquers death because he has been raised from the dead. Jesus has conquered the enemies of sin and death that we tremble in front of, and we have a very small role to play in their demise. It's important that we remember that it is a small role so that we don't think too highly of ourselves or our power, but it's also important that we remember that we do have a role. We have a responsibility to share the good news with others, to tell people that Jesus is alive and on the move, so that all of us together in the midst of pain and suffering and grief can cling to the hope that we find on Easter morning, that our sorrow has turned into joy, that our tears have turned into dancing, that our grief has turned into worship of the risen Lord. Don't be afraid. Look at the empty tomb, go quickly and tell the others and expect him to meet you along the way. Be ready to do your small part in ordinary ways as you join Jesus and claim the victory that is and always has been the Lord's. Jesus is piecing everything back together and it starts by taking his broken body and living again where his wounds are no longer a mark of his death, but a sign of his glory. Worship him, praise him, and cling to the hope that we find in him. We pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, on this Easter morning, we are inclined to be filled with fear. Fear of the storm, fear of the virus, fear of whatever it is that might take our lives or our loved ones. And we ask, Lord, that despite all of the context around us that tells us that we should be afraid, you would help us to rejoice. That you would put the words of praise, Alleluia, on our lips because you have risen from the dead, because we have small things to do to serve you, and because together, Lord, with you as our victor, with you as our leader, with you as our God, we can be confident that we will thrive. We pray this in your holy, precious, and powerful name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. May God fill you with joy and gift you with inexhaustible hope on this Easter morning. And take the rest of the day to offer your praise and glory to God and to revel in the hope that you have found in the resurrection. And don't let the weather or social distancing or anything else keep you from praising God with all of your being today. Now hear this blessing from Revelation 1 verses 4 through 6. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us to be a kingdom 
priest serving his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen.